Hi, this is Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the weekly top three, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of May 22nd, 2023. The weekly top three is a regular segment on The Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on both Facebook Live and YouTube Live, as well as via streaming audio from the show's website, weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael weekly in the first hour of Tuesday's show from 6.25 to 7 a.m. for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Substack pages. Also on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets website, as well as the projects page on national blog site, medium.com. You can find past episodes of the weekly top three also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, we discuss the one constant in this year's budget. Spoiler alert, it's spend, but don't tax me, don't tax you, tax middle and lower income Alaska families instead. Second, we explain how the ADN editorial board, or what we sometimes refer to as the Binkley family blog, is misquoting former Governor Hammond in a recent op-ed. And third, we discussed Representative Zach Field's reveal that the size of this year's budget is only the first step to even bigger spending ahead. And now, let's join Michael. You and I have really not talked since the end of the session. I mean, we had a, passed a few messages back and forth on, uh, 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 on text messages or whatever, but we really haven't had any in-depth conversation. So I'm hoping that in the midst of this weekly top three, you're going to give us uh, your thoughts on the outcome of this whole thing, because what a hot, hot, hot steaming pile of mess we've got going on. The one year's con the one constant in this year's budget, Brad, is number one. What is the constant in this year's budget? I think I know, but I'll I'll let you I'll let you spill the beans, as it were. Well, it's it's very simple. It's spend, spend a lot, but don't tax me, don't tax my friends in the oil industry, tax the other 80% behind the tree by uh, by using uh, PFD cuts to pay for uh, pay for all my spending. And that 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 was true all the way to the end. Even at the end when they did the increases in the capital budget, the 30 some odd million dollars uh, of increased capital budget that purportedly brought the House Republicans, the House majority, uh, over to uh, support the budget. Uh, that was at the expense of additional PFD cuts. I mean, that was at the expense of of being paid for by uh, by the other eighty percent. So, the the one constant throughout was spend, spend here, spend on K through twelve, spend on childcare, spend on uh, various other things, spend the thirty million dollars. But don't tax me to pay for it. Don't tax my friends in the oil industry to pay for it. Tax the the other eighty percent behind the tree, and that's a constant that that uh, I, we have seen over the last few years. And I uh, and and you know, based upon what happened this year, uh, I am I am fearful we're going to see it uh, see it continuing on. The spending um, 
Michael, it's just it's just sort of astounding. I did a chart, if you've got it, where we can throw it up for a second. Yeah, I got I, it here. I'll put it up. I did a chart that that tra- that uh, tracked uh, spending over the uh, over the last few years, and it starts in uh, FY eighteen, uh, the second to last year of the Walker administration, and continues on through uh, the adjournment budget for FY twenty four. And and you see that spending just continues while spending was held relatively constant the last two years of the Walker administration and the first two years of the Dunleavy administration. It's exploded since the five point one billion in uh, uh, and this is UGF spending. This is uh, operating budget plus capital budget plus uh, uh, statewide budget. Um, on the left-hand column in the blue, on the right-hand column is the PFD, and I'll come back to that in a second. But you can see that in FY22, not not during the session that set the FY22 budget, but in the session, in the FY23 session, last year's session, where they went back and put a bunch of supplemental funds when oil, when it ramped up, went back and put a bunch of supplemental funds. The FY22 budget ramped up to 5.1 billion. The FY23 budget, the management plan plus the supplementals passed uh, in this legislative session is at 5.6 billion. They uh, they came off that. It looks like they've come off that uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, in this uh, budget, uh, but not much. They've come down 300 million dollars in an, in an, in a year when oil prices are substantially less than they were in in FY23 in a year where in a year where we're facing FY24, substantially lower oil prices uh, than where we than the oil prices in FY23. Uh, all the spending has come down about five point about three hundred million dollars to five point three billion. Um, that's about four hundred million over the Dunleavy budget, the proposed budget as amended by the governor, um, and uh, sets a sets a tone I think going forward that's a uh, it's just bad. I mean, that the 5.3 is going to be the new baseline that, you know, we ramp, we ramp up from there. Oh my gosh. You know, we got inflation. We got, we need to increase spending for this, that, and the other thing. And the 5.3 will be the, will be the starting point for that. You can see what's been done to the PFD on the right hand in the, in the, in the yellow and, and, and brown uh, uh, bars. You can see what's been done to the PFD uh, over the same period. And basically what we're seeing what we saw this year, what we've seen every year is continue spending, but don't tax me. Don't tax my friends in the oil industry. Tax the 80% of Alaska families uh, behind the tree. Started out in FY18, in the Walker administration with $800 million cut to the PFD. Taxes, head taxes on middle and lower income Alaska, that fall largely on middle and lower income Alaska families. $1.6 billion uh, in FY22. Um, FY23, uh, we had the, the PFD plus the energy rebate, and that got us closer, but we still had a $500 million, half a billion dollar cut uh, in the PFD, even uh, last year and this year. <coughs> excuse me. This year, it's $1.4 billion. Right. Which is which is basically uh, 75, 20, 25, 75, 25 percent of the POMB draw to Alaska families, 75 uh, percent to governor to government. 
I've I've tracked that on out uh, uh, in another uh, chart that you can find on our Facebook page. I've tracked that on out, and this year FY twenty four, counting the savings that they're claiming that will be spent next year in the supplemental, <laughs> counting <laughs> ca counting the savings, they're roughly at seventy five twenty five. But if you <coughs> excuse me, if you trend out the budget. Uh, over the next uh, 10 years or so, starting with 5.3, the new, uh, the, the, the amount this year as the base, if you trend out the budget, the percent of POMV remaining after you have to divert so much of it to, uh, to support spending, the, the remaining POMV, the amount going to Alaska families, uh, is 22% in, uh, in 25, FY25. Just listen to these numbers for a second. 22% in FY25, 26% or uh, excuse me, 17% in FY26, 15% in FY27, 13% in FY28, 9% in FY29, 5%. It's a 95.5 in FY30, 3% in FY31, and 2% of the POMV going to Alaska families. Uh, by FY32, and that's just that's just trending the baseline uh, the, the 5.3 billion for for inflation, as we'll as we'll talk about in the third segment. Some already have plans for for increasing spending uh, at a at a real rate uh, above that. So basically, FY uh, uh, 25 even 2575 doesn't last beyond FY24, uh, where we're going on spending and where we're going. Uh, on oil revenues, <coughs> we're down to we're down to uh, seventy eight twenty two or twenty two seventy eight uh, uh, by the time the legislature meets next year. It is <coughs> we we've given up trying to control spending. We've given up trying to replicate what we did during the FY eighteen to FY twenty one uh, era, and we're we're just we're exploding spending. We don't have the revenues. <coughs> excuse me, we don't have the traditional revenues to support it. So we're just taking it out of the PFD. Don't tax me. Don't tax my friends in the oil industry. Uh, take it out of the other 80% uh, through a head tax uh, on the PFD. This is what I've talked about for years on the program <laughs> is I've talked about uh, that the entire goal at this point is to have access to the corpus, not just the earnings reserve, but the corpus. And this is this is taking us down that road. Like you said, 95.5. By the time you get to 95.5, that's when they start to take a look at that 5% draw on the POMV and say, well, it's just not enough. So next year, we're going to have to take six, uh, five and a half, six, six and a half, seven. Next thing you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we'll be drawing deeply into the corpus and we'll have some kind of probably, I imagine, some kind of tax by that time as well. So these things are all heading in that direction, and this is this is this is the thing that we warned you about all this time. Uh, Brad and I have been talking about this for eight years. This is exactly what this this really this is this is an inflection point. Uh, the reason it's an inflection point is FY twenty four revenues are clearly down. I mean, we're at like eighty five dollars average oil price this year. Next year's average oil price is going to be seventy three dollars. Uh, it, so oil prices are clearly down. Oil revenues are clearly down. Revenues are clearly down. Yet 
Get some water during the break. Yet, <laughs> yet spending is going up, um, and it's and you didn't hear this session really any discussion about about cutting spending, about matching spending to revenues. It was all uh, increasing spending uh, uh, above uh, above you know the baseline level that uh, that, that we had for K through twelve and. And, and various other things. It was all, how can we increase spending? It wasn't even increased spending responsibly. It wasn't even increased spending in some relation to where the revenues, <coughs> where the revenues were going. It was increased spending sort of regardless, sort of detached from revenues. And we'll get the revenues we need by taxing middle and lower income Alaska families through, uh, through PFD cuts. So it's, um, I think this session is an inflection point because it, it demonstrates that even when revenues start back down, <coughs> sorry, even when revenues start back down, uh, we're not going to, we're not, we're no longer interested in tailoring spending uh, to that, to those, to those revenue levels. We're going to keep running spending separately. And that's, I mean, that's, last year you could explain it by we had the explosion of oil prices and so we had an explosion of revenues and so okay let's let's get a bunch of one-time catch-up spending out of the way let's catch up on where we were on uh, uh k through 12 uh, uh buildings for example let's catch up on the bond reimbursement uh that's that that some alleges do local government um and so you could you could sort of say okay well we had the explosion of all earnings we're going to catch up with a bunch of catch up with a bunch of spending that we hadn't been doing in previous years uh but this year revenues are clearly down all revenues are clearly going to be down um but there wasn't any discussion i mean the 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 discussion was at best let's put a cap on it let's let's see if we can let's see if we can just you know keep it at a certain keep growth at us at, right. at a controlled level there wasn't any discussion of, oh my gosh, we don't have revenues. We've got to go back and we've got to, you know, really dig into the budget and find places no, that we can. There's save. no discussion on that. And that's, I mean, that you're going to cover part of that in the next segment the disdain that anybody seems to have for any suggestions that we may cut anything at this point. That's the problem is that there's just an absolute level of disdain for anybody that says, oh yeah, we should cut. No, no, no. And in fact, it continues to go up. Uh, Donna just made the comment: agency operation spending is up more than six percent over fiscal year twenty-three. I mean, it's yeah. just one thing after another. But but there's no there's no interest there's no interest in in restraining that there's no interest in cutting that. I mean, look at the board, look at the voting board on the budget after the thirty million dollars is add, added. You got Tom McKay, you got you got McCabe, you've got you've got Republicans who say. That you know they're there to control spending, they're there to to keep a cap on the budget. Yet they're voting for the budget, um, and and are among those who you know enabled this to uh, the budget to uh, keep on going forward. So it's uh, there, there's just no appetite, Michael. I mean, there's no appetite even among those who claim to be conservative Republicans to keep the to keep the budget under control anymore. Yeah. Did you see um, Kevin um, McCabe's? email out to his constituencies explaining why he voted for the budget. Did you see that? I didn't. I didn't. I'm not okay. in his constituency and I didn't get it. What would okay. it say? This will be well, interesting. Let me, let me just, he sent me a synopsized version of it because I asked him if he had a quote for me and um, he sent me this. And so I'll get your, get your comment on. It. He says, at the end of the day, this is what a non-binding caucus looks like. 
Uh, I don't know if we can blame the non-binding caucus for it, but anyway. He said, I was a no vote until my caucus decided to go the other way, which I also disagreed. I don't think the caucus decided to go another way because Kathy Tilton and and Sadler and a bunch of others didn't vote for it. I, I think, you know, he said, I had argued for not concurring all week and very vocally, but once I realized I had lost, I looked at the $10 million worth of projects that I had supported the Senate Conference Committee members and the fact that my district in the Matsu had no senator on the conference committee, and I decided that I should support what I had negotiated, the one that the Senate had just put back in. You lose much credibility for next year's negotiation if you don't vote for the project you negotiate. I was the very last person to vote. The no vote for the, for the team was my first priority, but once that battle was lost, my priority shifted to the next thing. The vote not to concur would have sent a message, but keep in mind that last year when I voted for concurrence and the others did not, it went to conference committee and we lost a third of the PFD and the Valley lost seven trooper positions. So there's a lot to unpack there, but essentially $10 million worth of projects that I negotiated, I got to vote yes, because uh, I got, and I, I, again, uh, this is, I'm sure it's a hard decision. I mean, this is why I would make a horrible legislature because I would have given them all the double finger. I would have like flipped double eagles and walked out of the room and said no. Uh, but that's just me. I don't care if I negotiated in good faith or not. If you stab me in the back after the nego at the end of the negotiations, I don't feel like my negotiations really mattered at that point. Right. I mean, uh, I, I don't know your thoughts. Oh, I, I think that's, well, I won't use the word that's coming to mind. I mean, Justin Ruffridge, there were there were some who voted against uh, the the budget who had project who got projects in their district. Um, and the fact that you got a project. I don't want to use the word buying, but the fact that you got a small project in your district uh, it means you end up voting for a huge budget, a huge unfunded uh, uh, budget built on the backs of middle middle and lower Camelot middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. Um, it just, just does, that just doesn't set right with me. I mean, he, he was a yes vote. Um, Tilton was a no vote. Sadler was a no vote. Even well, Justin Refridge was a no vote. Th this is what kills me because the vote was uh, 20, uh, 26 to 14, right? 26 to 14. If you had voted no, it wouldn't have made any difference as far as the outcome goes, but I mean, polit even if I was just looking at this cynically as a politician, I, I could have voted no, and my constituency would have been like, well, at least you stood your ground, right? You still would have gotten the projects. You still would have gotten the stuff. Why, at the end, you're the last vote. Why would you vote yes at that point? I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Michael, you know, the argument that, that the my caucus had moved on, and I was, I mean, the caucus voted against the budget 14 to 9 or 14 to 8 can't remember if there's 22 or 23 in the caucus, but the, the caucus, the, the 14 no votes are all coming from the caucus. And there's a minority in that caucus that's that's voting yes. That included uh, McCabe and McKay and, and and some of the others who who claim to be fiscal conservatives. So it's. um, <coughs> I don't I don't buy that explanation. I mean, I I understand the explanation. I understand. uh, uh what he's claiming, what 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 he what he's asserting is the motivation, but I don't buy it as a as a justification. As I say, Ruffridge and others, even for, even Justin Ruffridge and others, voted against the budget, even though they got uh, even though they got projects uh, in their district. I, 
Yeah, well, Julie Colomb's, uh Well, Justin Ruffridge basically said, "I don't feel like being bought." I mean, that's what he he actually said that. And Julie Colomb said something very similar when she voted against it. Uh, Ruffridge had a over half a million dollar project in his district, and he said, "No, I'm not going to vote for it because I don't feel like getting bought." Uh, which is kind of how I would have felt. I don't care if you're pouring money into the district or trying to do something like that. And and the vote was going to pass anyway. So I don't, uh, again. I mean, th- this is this is how we, this is how we've gotten into this mess, right? Yeah. Everybody says, I need something for my district. And by the time you add all that up, you get a $5.3 billion budget. Yeah. Um, all right. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. Let's move on. Give me a tease for number two of the weekly top three. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Binkley family blog, the uh, ADN uh, editorial page, which is just the Binkley family blog. Um, and uh, and and they had an op-ed about uh, Governor Hammond and their claim that that uh, Hammond doesn't work anymore. Hammond's vision of the PFD doesn't work anymore because it's because it's not doing a certain thing that 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 Hammond claimed it would do. The fact is, they're 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 misquoting Hammond. Hammond never claimed. That the PFD was going to do what they claim it, what they say the PFD was going to do, what they say Hammond said the PFD was going to do. Hammond was talking about something else, and the and the and the point that Hammond had about controlling spending, they just completely ignore. This morning we're continuing on number two of the weekly top three. Um, Brad, the ADN editorial board, what you lovingly call the Binkley family blog, has got some things to say about the PFD, and we just should be grateful that we get what we get. We should just shut up about it because what Hammond said is, I mean, it's just not working. Um, except for, of course, the fact that they kind of fold and spindle what Hammond said. Yeah, so the, editori- the editorial is their, their weekly editorial, their weekend editorial, says the reversal of Jay Hammond's permanent fund dream. And the claim, the theme of the editorial is Hammond said that the PFD was important because it would motivate individuals to look after government spending and to and to focus on government spending and and that's and they claim that's what that's why Hammond said that we uh, that we had uh, that we need to have the PFD and they they spin from that and say well that's not working uh, all it's doing is getting people to focus on big PFDs instead of instead of constraining spending and so <laughs> if it's not achieving that objective, if it's not achieving the objective of constraining spending or getting people to focus on on total spending, then why do we need the PFD at all? If it's not, if it's not serving that purpose, if that's the purpose that Hammond set out for it, then then why do we need the PFD at all? The problem with that whole theory is it's wrong. It's based upon a, a misstatement, misquote, misunderstanding uh, of Hammond. <clears throat> what Hammond said the PFD was important for was to create individuals who were focused on the permanent fund and what the permanent fund corporation did with the permanent fund to make sure it was invested properly, to make sure that it earned adequate returns, to make sure that it wasn't siphoned off and used for the buddy system, you know, to give low cost loans to somebody as, as it has been recently um, and that it wasn't used to just, you know, as, as, as crony capitalist, uh, uh, funding, uh, for, uh, for individual Alaskans. That was the purpose of the PFD to focus on what the permanent fund corporation was doing with the permanent fund. And actually it's done a pretty good job of that because this whole flare up we've had recently, 
about uh, about focusing, you know, taking a portion of the PFD and putting it or portion of the permanent fund and focusing it on in-state investments. The flare up as, of, of that has been a lot of people concerned about what that would mean for the PFD, lower returns from in-state investments uh, and what that would mean going forward for the PFD, as well as for the portion that goes to state government. What Hammond said was necessary to control spending was something entirely different. And that was the income tax. And what Hammond said was, you, if you have a tax that sits there, like the sword of Damocles over legislators' heads, that they that they will control spending. Nothing nothing's worse, according to Hammond, uh, for a legislator than to have to increase a tax. Nothing's worse for his re, for his or her reelection prospects. And that was what Hammond said was necessary to control spending. And we've seen that to be true because we did away with the income tax in the early 1980s. Hammond wanted to suspend it and have it sitting there like a sort of Damocles over legislators' heads. We didn't do that. The legislature in its infinite wisdom eliminated it. Hammond didn't veto that bill, allowed it to go into effect. Uh, and so we haven't had that tax sitting like a sort of Damocles over leg legislators' heads so that if they increase spending, they would have to tax to pay for it and they would be resistant to increasing spending because they didn't want to have a tax. That was Hammond's solution to increase spending. You can't find a word of that in the ADN editorial. I mean, they've mixed and matched what Hammond said about how to control uh, misadventures with the permanent fund with what Hammond said about how to control misadventures uh, with spending. And the ADN, the ADN doesn't want the Binkley family blog doesn't want to admit that that's what Hammond said about how to control spending, because my God, that might mean we would we would need to have a tax to control control spending, and guess who who would have to pay that tax? The top twenty percent who get off right. scot free now uh, through using PFD cuts. And so right. Binkley's trying to the Binkley family blog is trying to misdirect the quotes about Hammond and what and what and what Hammond's intent was to get away from, you know, what Hammond truly said about how to control spending, which is, which is through a tax. And, and again, Hammond was very clear on this. What I find interesting in this editorial is that the one hand, they talk about Alaska Inc. and the idea that residents are shareholders and that that's all good. And then they get snarky later on and says, it turns out that the only function of government that motivates a fair swath of the, of the residents is the permanent fund dividend and their preference for it to be as large as possible. Like somewhere, it's the greed and the entitlement is astonishing somehow that uh, that Alaskans have run the modern era's longest real world trial of universal basic income. And how dare we do that? Again, not understanding the whole concept that Hammond had behind this, that Alaskans were shareholders in everything that was going on. Oh, they understand it, Michael. I mean, Johnny and, and the kids and Tom Hewitt understand what Hammond said. They're just misrepresenting it. They're just twisting it to, 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 to support their own their own objective of using the permanent fund dividend as the as the as the revenue to to uh, to close the the budget deficits that they themselves are helping to create by pushing for increased spending on the, in various categories it it is it is truly i mean if you look at this from the standpoint of the top 20% it is truly th that is the theme that runs through all their editorials spend because it's good for alaska 
Uh, and it's good for, you know, Alaska business. It's good for Alaska kids. It's good for Alaska employees spend because it's good for Alaska, but don't tax me to pay for it. Make the lower, make, make the other 80% pay for it through PFD cuts. That's the theme uh, that, that cuts through all of these editorials. And this one's no different. The, 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 the reason this one stands out is because now they're misquoting Hammond and misstating Hammond to try to justify uh, their, uh, their, their, that position uh, going forward. And that's just not what Hammond said. Hammond had it right. Hammond had it right. You want to control spending, make all Alaskans pay for it through taxes. And then legislators who, who passing a tax is the last thing they want to do. Legislators will face up to the fact that they need to constrain spending. We've just, we've just, the top 20% in this state has just found a way around that by using PFD cuts, which fall, which fall hardest on middle and lower income Alaska families, barely touch the top 20%. Don't take anything from non-residents. Top 20% has just found a way around that in this state. And, um, and, and they want to do everything, including misquoting Hammond, to try to, uh, to try to sustain that approach. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest, the weekly top three. This is, the, this is really the poster child, uh, prime example of how the disdain that the top 20% have for Alaskans and the PFD in general, they, again, want to use it for their for their as their own piggy bank that's how they want to do it and how dare we complain how far they cut it back i mean it's that's that's the biggest point yeah um, and, and to call and to call the pfd universal basic income is just is another insult universal basic income basically is redistribution of wealth right taking wealth from one income bracket and 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 and, and putting it in another income bracket in a way that gives them sort of a a minimum a minimum income that's not what the pfd does at all the PFD takes common wealth, commonly shared wealth, and divides it between a benefit for Alaska families in, in, in terms of the PFD and a benefit for, frankly, the top 20% in terms of acting as a substitute for taxes, replacing taxes. That's, right. what, that's what the PFD is doing. That's what the permanent fund earnings stream is doing. It's not, it's not taking money from uh, the top 20% and redistributing it to the, to the, to the other 80%, which is what a universal basic income has done. So this editorial is just, <laughs> it's just one misstatement, one, uh, 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 misleading misquote, uh, after another. Brad Keithley, uh, let's move on to number three. We don't have a whole lot of time, about two and a half minutes here. But this is the this is the this is just the first step. That's what a lot of people are saying. Some people say the quiet part out loud. God love him. Zach Fields has has, has said the quiet part out loud. Uh, an op-ed again uh, in the ADN uh, over the uh, uh, over the weekend uh, opinion piece. The title of which is "A Great Budget Is Only the First Step." And part of the <coughs> excuse me, part of the. Part of the op-ed is praising he and his other legislators for passing what he's calling a great budget in terms of increased K through 12 spending and increasing uh, uh, child sub, some uh, subsidies for child uh, care and and on and on and on. But then, sort of halfway through, transitioning and saying, "But that's only a first step. We need additional spending. 
we need a full catch up with K through 12. We need to get all of the all of the money that we initially uh, uh, targeted for K through 12. All of the catch up for uh, for uh, inflation over the over the past several years. We need additional spending here, additional spending there, additional spending over there. And this is really the first step. So if you think if you think the five point three billion dollar budget is out of whack this year. Uh, when you look at oil prices trending down, you look at oil revenues trending down. Zach Fields is telling us that 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 spending, uh, at least in his view and the view of legislatures that are aligned with him, spending needs to continue going up. We're not spending enough yet. We need to spend more and more and more. And where is it going to come from? It's going to come from middle and lower income Alaska families. Now, Fields does say that there needs to be some additional revenues. But the additional revenues he talks about are like are like a fig leaf, right? The budget right. The def, deficits over two billion dollars. They're <laughs> yeah. taking they're targeting more than two billion dollars out of the PFD to cover the deficit. The additional revenues that Fields is talking about is like two hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. It's a it's a fraction of what it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, Fields sets us up here for the perfect. I mean, you could see it right now. He wants in his in his piece here. He talks about how, uh, well, I, first of all, I love how he says, however, the large with a large PFD of thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, like I mean, like this, it's that huge. Oh, my God, this large PFD of thirteen hundred dollars. You, you can see it. They they he there. He's like drool is like coming out of the sides of his mouth. He can't he's salivating so much to get his hands on that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's astonishing, but that's exact. This is just the first step of getting everything uh, together to where they could take the full PFD and then add more down the road. Yeah. Michael, I mean, Fields is, Fields is just sort of the, the poster child, child for a limousine liberal, right? I mean, the PFD helps 80%, helps 80% of Alaska families. It also is distributed to the top 20%, but <coughs> it's a trivial, trivial share of their income. Largely what Hammond set up was 50% that goes to the PFD that largely helps uh, the 80% of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families, 50% to substitute for, for taxes, which, uh, which helps the, uh, the top 20%. And so you would think that Fields being a Democrat, being a, 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 a left Democrat, would say, okay, we've got to, first things first, we've got to protect the 80%. we got to protect middle and lower income working Alaska families, right? And if we need additional spending, and we do need initial additional spending, but if we need additional spending, we need to take it out of other people's pockets. We need to take it out of the oil companies' pockets, or we need to take it out of the wealthy Alaskans' uh, pockets. But that's not what Fields is doing. What Fields is doing is saying, we need to take the money, we need additional spending, and we need to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income working Alaska families almost exclusively. We need to put the full burden on, on middle and lower, virtually the full burden on middle and lower income Alaska families. And what that reveals is that Fields' and others' priority is really the government spend, right? Is really government employees, Fields is, is with the union that represents government employees, by the way, but but it really it really shows the focus is on government spend, the government share of the economy, government employees moving money out of middle and lower income Alaska families over to government employees, a lot of whom are in the top 20%, including Zach. So it's it's it it shows the hypocrisy 
the limousine liberal, the coastal elite hypocrisy of, of Alaska Democrats. They don't really care about working Alaska families. They don't really care about middle and lower income Alaska families. What they really care about are government employees. And, and those, that portion of middle and lower income Alaska families that aren't government employees or aren't in the government economy, yeah, forget about you. Who cares about you? Let's just we're we're just going to take your money. We're just going to tax you uh, uh, to pay for everything we want for for government government employees and for and for the government uh, share of the economy. And it's it's you know they aren't I don't know what they are. I, I, they aren't Democrats. I mean they they are truly limousine liberals, truly coastal elites that that say we need all this good stuff. We need all these we need all these government employees. We need all these government programs. But I don't Zach whose family income is about $250,000, according to the APOC reports. I don't want to pay for it. I don't right. want my friends well, to pay for it. Ironically, he doesn't, he represented, uh, he represents an area that's pretty needy of, uh, I mean, they're a median income, medium to low income uh, area. And so he's basically telling all constituencies, sorry, suck it up, buttercup. You're going to pay for all this stuff. So none of us have to. Yeah, it, uh, that's a portion of his district, certainly. He doesn't yeah. represent the poorest district in the state, but he represents a, a lower than middle income, lower than middle uh, uh, district in the state. I mean, but it's but he feeds into this line, and, and this is this is what the Democrats in the state are doing. Feeds in this line is, you need government programs. We need to help you with government programs. Oh, and by the way, in other states, when, when we say we need to help you with government programs, we're going to get the money from someplace else. We're going to let you let you continue to have your money here in Alaska. They're saying you need government programs. And by the way, we're going to take money from you. Right. To, <laughs> from to working, pay for these programs. Yeah. From working Alaska yeah. families to pay for these programs. And, and 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 the irony is some a lot of these programs. I mean, let's take Medicaid for, or Medicare, for example. All that really does is funnel money to docs. Right. And it really funnels money to the medical med, uh, medical community. Top 20 percent docs. Top twenty percenters in the med in the medical community, yeah, it's ostensibly for for lower income families, but they don't get the money, they barely get the benefit out of it, and and the money, all the money is going to the docs. <coughs> so it's just these government programs aren't really designed to help middle and lower income Alaska families. They're just designed yeah. to help government government yeah. employees. And and gosh, we don't want to we don't want to trigger the top twenty percent into pushing back on this spending. We don't want to, the sort of Damocles to fall on their head, so that they start pushing back on spending. So we'll just take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, pat them on the head, and saying, "Hey, it's for you. Don't worry about yeah. it. We're, well, we're doing good stuff for you." I love the keeping up with the Joneses aspect of this as well because he's like, <laughs> "Oh, we need to take care of childcare, and we just only put seven and a half million dollars." Look at North Dakota; they did sixty-two million. We should be like. I mean, if that's the case, then there should be a state uh, sales tax and a state income tax. If you want to be like all these other states, that's how they're paying for a lot of this stuff. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying you can't pick and choose and say you want all these things. But that's exactly what he's trying to do. And Zach will tell you, oh, I've got a revenue uh, bill in. I've got a, I've got an income tax bill in. <coughs> I went through the income tax bill in last last Friday's. Zach's income tax bill in last Friday's Alaska landmine. Um, and it's just, it's a very thin veneer of revenue on huge PFD cuts. It's yeah. like saying, I've got a bill. 
but hey, I still need it, all these PFD. It cuts. justifies the PFD cut, is what it does. Uh, with the yeah, I mean, all right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, good to talk with you. Thanks for being part of it today, Michael. As always, uh, thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the weekly top three from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Substack pages, and keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the weekly top three.